Welcome to Orion Valley. Hello, film spirits. I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Welcome to my podcast where I dissect films with fellow film enthusiasts and figure out why we love the medium so much. Have another standalone episode for you today, but before we do, just want to let you know if you enjoy the show, please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and leave a rating on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. You can also follow the show on social media. We are, it is Frankly I Love Movies on Facebook and Instagram, and Frankly underscore podcast on Twitter. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at BigWalls21 for all recent movie reviews. I will have the next diary entry all about everything I watched from October 16th through the 31st up next Thursday, so please stick around for that. But first, it is the week of Halloween, and I'm delighted to have my old friend from Ithaca College, Alex Coburn, on the show. How are you today? I'm good. Ready to talk about how Sue. Yes, um... I am very excited to talk about this movie because it's a new experience for me, but I wanted to know what made you want to choose this and what is your relationship to it? Um, so actually, the first time I saw this movie, I think I was like 16. Um, and it was, I believe, right when the Criterion release had first come out. I'd never mm-hmm. heard of it before. But um, at the time, I was like dating somebody who was like a huge, like, kind of like film bro type person and he like was mm-hmm. mo- a lot of my like introduction into like films and stuff and he like ended up buying this movie there was like a small party that we had and like everyone was like gathered around watching how sue and i remember like a lot of them a lot of people there were like i don't understand like like i hate this like it's so <laughs> like, it was, like a lot of people there were like in the it's so bad it's good camp and uh. i was like no, it's so good. It's good. Like mm-hmm. it's actually good. Like it is yeah. just actually a good movie. Mm-hmm. So I think part of the reason that I ultimately wanted to pick this is like it's a movie that I've listed as one of my favorites for years. Doesn't matter how long it's been since I've seen it. Like it's mm-hmm. so unlike anything else I've ever seen. And every like time I watch it, I like discover something else I love about it. And I just think it's it's such a joyous like piece of filmmaking, in my opinion. Uh huh. That's beautifully said. It does sound like it would be a great movie to watch with a group of people Mm -hmm. because you have so many differing opinions and uh, reactions to it because the film is so, I mean, transgressive, like doesn't do it justice. Mm -hmm. It's so insane. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to do a couple quick specs on the movie. So we're talking about house or house in uh, Japanese, this experimental horror film by uh, the director. Um, Oh, I'm going to try. I'm going to try and pronounce it. Uh, Nobuhiku, uh, Obayashi. That's okay. what I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right, that sounds great. right to me. Um, it is about a group of um, friends who are all girls that go to travel to one of their aunt's houses and they soon find out that the house is haunted. I feel like that's a pretty good base description of what happens in the movie. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, this being my first viewing, I wasn't really sure what to expect going into it. this. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Criterion Collection, as I'm sure you are as well. Mm. Um, I had heard about this one and, you know, knew that so many filmmakers and film enthusiasts love it. And I just never got around to it. And then finally, I'm glad that you, you know, brought it up. I was like, okay, now I get to watch it. And the first time we were originally going to record this, you know, like a month ago, I just kind of let it wash over me. And I was like terrified because I didn't know what I was going to say. 
Like mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was going to talk yeah. about. And I, I'm glad we took the time to wait. Mm-hmm. I rewatched it last night. And yeah. Uh, yeah, this movie is, I totally agree with you. It's so good. It's good. It's tremendous. It was way better the second time than it was mm-hmm. the first time for me. I agree. A lot more of, uh, you know, a lot more doors opened up, a lot mm-hmm. more presented itself that I wasn't expecting. I remembered parts of the story, but I'm glad to rewatch it and then be like, oh, yeah, there's this. And yeah. this is of here. And this is what this character is all about. And it was easier to also keep track of the characters because there's so many. Yeah. Um, and this movie, you know, initially didn't have very positive reviews in Japan and then got a wider right. release in the early aughts um, in the U.S. and got more of a cult following. What do you think, uh, what, is, what is it with this movie, just on a general sense, that draws people to it? Like, where does the cult following, do you think, come from? What do people attach themselves to? Well, I think one of the big parts is that it's aesthetically just, like, extremely compelling, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's bright colors, it's uh, very, like, poppy editing. Um, mm-hmm. The way, like, I would just almost describe it is it feels like, you're like a real life version of like an anime, like the way it's mm-hmm. just like structured and, and like the way it, way it looks. So I think people are drawn to it because it's like beautiful to look at. But I also think like, like I, I think like with horror, like especially horror relating to like women or young girls, I think mm-hmm. like they're, I think that a lot of like girls are drawn to it because it's like, it's like one of the few horror films I think that, just like it's all about like I feel like they're like the men play such a small role in the movie Mm -hmm. it's just like all these girls hanging out and like getting attacked by this house yeah so I think but there are a lot of male fans of Haosu I'm not saying it's like but for me it's like such Mm -hmm. a like girl power horror movie in a way Mm -hmm. I don't know no, absolutely. And, you know, all of the um, like the main group of seven girls, you know, all portray these different types of mm-hmm. uh, tropes from various yep. horror genres. And the only male character that you forget about because he doesn't show up for like the large, large sections of the second act until he gets turned into bananas at the end the teacher, right? is the teacher. Yeah. Right. Um, and even then, you know, he only has like a very small part, but like he is representing something greater too in yeah. terms of tropes, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But I do agree that this is a very girl power centric kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that also aids into that idea that you're talking about of how it is like a live action anime, a lot of the timing, mm-hmm. a lot of the reactions, a lot of the um, the shots and the how interesting, like just everything looks and some of the stylistic choices do m- create this um, overstimulating experience that mm-hmm. I think a lot of anime is known for or, you know, Japanese cinema, I will say I'm not uh, Japanese cinema and anime in general is a bit of a blind spot for me. I've mm-hmm. seen some, I have not seen a right. lot. Um, but I think anyone going into this, you know, I don't even know if requesting people go in with an open mind, but I don't want them to go in expecting anything. Like, I, right. like you don't know what's going to happen. No. Just sit down and see what happens. Yeah. It's definitely a movie where like the first time I just let it wash over me. And I think mm-hmm. that's like the best way to do it. But the way that it was described the first time I ever saw it, someone was like, yeah, it's this movie where a girl gets like eaten by a piano. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And I remember going into it expecting like some kind of like saw movie, like lascivious gore. And instead Mm -hmm. it's like really fun. And like, I mean, like, I don't know, like, I don't want to like, there is a quote from Tarantino that I feel like applies to this film specifically, which is like the idea of, blood in certain movies being like blood in quotation marks. I think Mm -hmm. that this movie does that. I think this movie 
despite as many scenes of like amputation, decapitation, all this crazy stuff. It's like never in this like mean spirited, like Mm -hmm. voyeuristic way. It's like, uh, it all feels very, um, very like silly. Like everyone's Mm -hmm. in on the joke. You know what I mean? Yeah, Um, it is. I, the first time I watched it, I was like, that was whack. Yeah. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, no, that's wacky. Yeah. Like it's a wacky movie. You know, that's, that's what's so great about it is that it, um, it melds so many different things together. Mm-hmm. Like at point, cause I mean, it came out in 1977. It was very aware of a lot of horror things that were going yeah. on at that time, especially the explosion of like Texas chainsaw massacre mm-hmm. just a few years earlier. So it's playing on, you know, the early like exploitation films, mm-hmm. but that's what I took it as first. So like, okay, making all these characters, women playing with the fact that they're obviously extremely comfortable with each other and younger yeah. and going through this um, house of someone older that's playing with those tropes. But then it's like an episode of Scooby-Doo. You know, it's like, yes, um, it's very Scooby-Doo and I loved Scooby-Doo growing up. So it probably explains why I loved this movie. So yes, I, I also like have a deep love for Scooby-Doo, too. But like how the fact that every member of the team gets something to do and has, you know, something recognizable about them or some part of them that uncovers the mystery more and more. Like I love, uh, you know, fantasy and the professor kind of like figuring things out and they're like walking yes. in a circle. There's lots of things that they get to do. But I yes. do agree that the the gore or like the the violence turns on like kind of I don't want to say out of nowhere, but you're not expecting it. It catches you, you know. by surprise. And then because it's the it's the head coming out the of the watermelon well, or the yeah. yeah, the head. The head yeah. yeah. And you're just like, whoa, okay, wasn't expecting that. Right. But you're also like kind of chuckling at it because mm-hmm. it's not graphic for the sake of no. graphic. And everyone is kind of it's either so meta or it's uh, tongue in cheek. Like it's I don't know. It's just tough to kind of get to the bottom of this movie in a way. Yeah, I think also like so Obayashi, um, I think he was so he grew up during um, World War Two mm-hmm. in Japan. I think he was I he was uh, he lived in either either in or near Hiroshima or Nagasaki. And his mm-hmm. like so his his friends a lot of his friends and family had like died these like extremely horrific deaths Mm -hmm. that he'd witnessed as a young child and I think that that is something you see in Japanese cinema in like in that era like in the in the people in the people who had come up like grown up during Mm -hmm. World War II and had witnessed all of this violence like Mm -hmm. there's this like sense of levity added to like a lot of um like violent films like these films like I'm trying to I don't know if you've seen Lady Snowblood but it's also a Japanese Mm -hmm revenge film where the violence feels extremely uh symbolic not necessarily graphic you don't turn Mm -hmm. away from it and i think that that is very like like located in the the context of like the director's like and like obayashi's sort of trajectory of like you know trying to find a way to make like trying to find a way to make it you know okay or, or to like remove the 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 i don't know I mean, I feel like I'm not making sense, but like no. that's how I that's how I feel. I think that that makes sense to me. I don't know. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. I think that combined with, you know, the fact that he got a lot of the story ideas or the images from his daughter, yeah. um, who was in uh, her preteen years at that point right. and was talking about how when he was coming up with these ideas, it was like, I think a lot of horror directors, like when they're making stuff for adults, they make things that um, either you've seen before or can right. easily be explained. Whereas a child just makes shit that you just 
don't know what it is and you can't yeah. possibly explain it. And a lot of the ideas in the film, like there's the the reflection in the mirror of the demon right. who eventually eats one of the girls, stuff falling um, on Sweet, who turns into a doll, <laughs> the house it just in and of itself eating the characters is all from his daughter. And there is something interesting about that where there is a nightmare aspect to this movie. There are right. some moments that are just genuinely get under your skin and you're like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. But there is a childlike lens that this movie is viewed through. Too. Yeah. It's like such a good blend. Like it does both things so well. And you yes. don't really expect that because it could be too wacky where it's just like, oh, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Or it could be too gruesome and it becomes, you know, last house on the left. Right. Um, but- I, yeah. That's a good comparison, actually. Because I think mm-hmm. like I think that came out in like what, 72 or 73. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So around mm-hmm. this around a similar time. Um, and like, I think that the difference is like this movie is like, it's like almost like I would describe it as a cute, like it's a cute movie mm-hmm. Yeah. somehow. There's like this essay um, called The Cuteness of the Avant-Garde by this woman, <laughs> Cyan Nagai. And it's talking about how so many um, of our favorite, like especially like horror and sci-fi series that heavily feature women, like even thinking about like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like there's this sense of like cuteness and levity that that like, is so watchable and like mm-hmm. watching like there's something so satisfying about like watching this like cute girl like take down like a like a monster or a demon mm-hmm. like there's just something about it and so her essay like analyzes that and I think like for me like girls in horror especially in the 70s especially with slashers get saddled with like so much existential dread and mm-hmm. so much of like like just being like stuck in their condition and like this movie is so the opposite of that. Like, it's so fun and it's like so unapologetically. Yeah. Like you can tell a teenage girl was heavily involved in the making of this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, I think that I, I really like appreciate it's sort of like unapologetic dedication to being like never taking itself too seriously, but also never like exploiting its characters or, or making it too dark or, you know, like, I don't know, like it's like, there's, it's not dark sided in any way, mm-hmm. you know, it's very fun. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it's not like gritty. It's not no. edge lordy. It's no. not uh, <laughs> it, it's not really dark like that. And it's not gratuitous. Like, you know, there are scenes, you know, any other director might take it. And, you know, scenes of like, like gorgeous in the bath, you know, like yeah. someone could take that and be like exploitive yeah. in a way. But it is kind of just this realistic portrayal of like, OK, why don't we just like put the camera here and she stands up and you see the right. hair and it's just kind of like, that's it. You know, it's not mm-hmm. super close. It's not like, ooh, it's not gross. You know, no, it's, no, no, no. Um, it's very careful in what it does show you and how it is presenting like everything to you. And I agree that there's not a lot of existential dread. Like, I mean, the the character of the ant has a lot right. of that backstory that breeds into the um, to the message of the film. But these characters are so like because it's a summer film, you know, they're yeah. so happy. It starts off like this, like 60s, like Beatles movie yeah. or something and there. They just kind of fall into this terrible situation. Mm-hmm. And that's why when shit hits the fan, it hits it hard because you're like, holy right. shit. Like it's yeah, 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 yeah. the complete opposite of two very com- complete extremes. It's very interesting. Yeah. And the ant, too, I think, like, is supposed to, at least, like, I think Obayashi has talked about how she sort of symbolizes that older generation of the people mm-hmm. who are growing up in Japan during, like, the, the bombings. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like, it's like this generation, like, that generation's children, um, which I guess would also be Obayashi's daughter, are people mm-hmm. who, you know, 
there's like this desire to protect them from the the like realities that that their parents experienced. Um, mm-hmm. And I think like that's a common pattern, like in a lot of, like, I feel like, I think film in general, especially in countries that have been sort of like, uh, like sort of racked by like political violence in some way, like there's a cycle of like gritty realism. And then there's there are, like these big epics. And then there's like a shift into like the more poppy fun, like, mm-hmm. uh, like easy, not easy to watch, but like, I think that this is located. Like if you look at Japanese cinema from like, 20 years prior and you look at stuff like with like Kurosawa Mm -hmm. uh like it's a totally different totally different landscape and I Mm -hmm. don't know I'm not an expert but that I do think it's like such a a different different era for sure I agree it's definitely not uh there's not a lot of like candy in Kurosawa. No. You know, this is all <laughs> this yeah, is all yeah, sweet yeah. and very yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, indulgent. Whereas, and I, and I like Kurosawa, but uh, Kurosawa right. is definitely like really pushing the audience and asks oh, a yeah. lot. And I mean, this movie asks a lot too, but it also kind of like vehemently asks you like, please have fun, please. Yeah, have time. it's fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and I think like you can yeah you can tell that like the intention of this film was to be like seen in like a theater seen by large groups of people like it's a very interactive movie mm-hmm. um and like yeah again like going into the late 70s like early stages of like the internet and gaming like you just see all of those influences like come like sort of coalesce in how mm-hmm. um yeah. like, it's such a youth culture of like oriented movie i think absolutely um have you had the chance to see this in a theater yes yes i actually have i'm trying to think i think i've only seen it once and it was actually at cornell cinema Um, oh really yes it was at cornell cinema it was in like 2018 or 2019 Mm -hmm. um and i went with two friends who hadn't seen it before um and i think like Dr. Utterson was introducing it. Uh, Something like very uh, random. So I was like, why is like this British scholar like introducing this? Like, I don't know. It was very random. Like not that he's ever going to hear this, but all respect to Dr. Utterson. But like, I was Uh, shocked. I was shocked. I was like, okay. Um, But I remember that was the most fun. Like just seeing that with my friends, they were like losing their minds. They'd never seen Mm -hmm. it. I was like looking over at their reactions. Like, cause I feel like that's another aspect of this film I mean, maybe it's for every movie, but when you show somebody a film you like, especially when it's something like this, mm-hmm. you always are look, kind of watching the person watching it because you're like, I want to see what their face looks like when, like, I don't know, like, the the head pops out of the well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, like, I think it's just, it was so much fun. And they do screen it occasionally in New York City, like, at places like IFC or, like, Metrograph, whatever. Like, it mm-hmm. does get a repertoire, repertoire run occasionally. Um, and... I'm glad. I think it's one of those movies that it's, it's like, I watched it for the first time on just a regular TV at home, but I think everyone should, if they, everyone who likes it should see it in a theater one time, you know, mm-hmm. it's like a very fun movie to see with a crowd of people. Yeah, I'm sure. I definitely would love to at some point. That is a very real feeling though, when you have something that you love so much and you want to show it to somebody. Like I just recently showed one of my best friends, Boogie Nights for the first time. Uh... And like, that in and of itself is, um, you know, there are scenes where you're like, okay, the Alfred Molina scene yeah, is going yeah, yeah. I like, can't wait. But like, it's still, since that movie is so sprawling and so emotional, mm-hmm. like it is this kind of like, you want to have them get to the end yeah. and get through the marathon. And you're like, oh, I want to see. But with House, right. you're like, 
oh my god like the the uh the the piano's coming up like oh yeah, you yeah, just yeah. gotta watch them like as opposed to watching the movie like it's exactly. so reaction based yeah it is and, reaction based for sure <laughs> um i would love to talk about a big thing with this movie going back to yobiashi is the the visual style i was just like flabbergasted with the fact that like pretty much no shot or stylistic choice repeats itself throughout the mm-hmm. rest of the movie he takes like every single choice he makes it's like used only once and then he brings up so many different ideas throughout it like so much use of like opacity or like blending like two different shots together of like when she throws like the scarf like off the wind uh, off the balcony like you see it go down on one half of the screen and the other half it's like frozen or like zooming in on someone's face and that's like the center of the shot it's so Mm -hmm. like visually enjoyable because there's so much to latch on to and, you know, pair that with like the music. It's so well paced. And, right. you know, it's it's just an atmospheric movie that like really throws you around a lot. And it's um, it's really interesting. I mean, like, what do you take? What do you make of like the visual style? I don't really know of any other movie that does this. Yeah, I don't really either. And I feel like, you know, speaking about the moment with like the scarf, like the scenes with the father and the new wife um, mm-hmm. are so like rooted in this like almost like melodrama soap opera style and then you can very that. soap opera yeah it's very soap opera and then you contrast that with like uh i'm thinking of like the scene where uh kung fu she's like she's it's like she's one of the last girls standing and she's you know like mm. whirling around and they like contrast those two scenes that happen you know in this 180 minute movie and it almost feels like this sort of like love letter to different moments in japanese cinema of mm-hmm. like like all of these different, like, you know, you have like this, like the sweeping melodrama, like the domestic drama with like the dad and the step, the stepmom. Mm-hmm. And then you have like the, like the, the girls, like the girly film, like with like them, like, Oh, so excited to go to summer, like summer mm-hmm. camp, whatever. And then um, you have like, yeah, like this like Kung Fu sequence and like, yeah. it just almost, and then you also, yeah, like have horror, which obviously like Japanese horror is very celebrated because it's, you know, some of the best horror films I think come out of Japan, but it's so, it just is such a, it's like an, an homage film almost. I think the one movie I would think of that isn't like similar, but again, I think it came out at the same time. It was made in the u.s because it's melvin van peebles but it's sweet mm. sweet backs badass song mm-hmm. which i think also has that sort of like this never lets you like rest like you're never mm-hmm. sure what's coming next it's always a new homage it's always a new shtick yeah um, and that's a movie i think like kind of reminds me of of the style in house i mean it's not as like poppy but it's i think similar structurally if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, I get you. I mean, there are like so many influences and, you know, how each stylistic choice plays with your emotion. Like when the mel- when the melodrama happens, you definitely feel the heart in it. Like yeah. you can feel the fact that you're supposed to pay attention as this is a clear story beat or moment that you are familiar with. Right. And again, the way that it's filmed, even going through like the window pane to the fact that they're outside on like a little like yeah. villa era, like yeah. area, like that is so seeped in both Western culture, but also obviously like the drama, like you said, the domestic drama of Japanese cinema. And it's so funny how like it does cause you like you're supposed to focus on that, like um, that be in that story moment, but you forget about it so much because everything else that happens afterwards you're like, oh, and then when she comes back at the end of the house, she's like, oh, my God, that's right. She's, you know, she's a part of this story, too. And it's so 
um, it's again, it's so wild how this movie like forces your attention onto each like aspect of the story. Um, yeah. I gotta ask, who's your favorite character of the of the group? <laughs> I feel like um, I like Melody, or mm-hmm. yeah, Melody, because like she to me, I, I always watch it and I'm like, who's who? Because like whenever I'm watching other people, I'm like, I don't know who they are. Yeah. I don't think that I resonate with her, but I think her like scene with the piano is like the coolest and it's very mm-hmm. iconic. I love yeah. her. I also love Prof. I think mm-hmm. I would maybe be Prof. I think she's fun. Like she's very like. She's like the, you know, she's like the, I'm trying to think of an equivalent. She's like, you know, the hacker in, in, re, in like, in like yeah. the modern. She's zone. the Velma. Like, she's the Velma. And I think mm-hmm. she's like, so, she's so funny. Um, but yeah, she's, also she's my favorite. For Prop sure. is so cool. But there's, mm-hmm. there's also something about Gorgeous that's so funny with like mm-hmm. her just, her, she literally just can't even tug herself away from like her own reflection, which I think is <laughs> kind of relatable in some ways where she's just like so uh-huh. obsessed with like self analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, and her scene is also very cool with like the mirror. Yeah. I don't uh-huh. know. It's hard. I love prof. I think maybe prof is my favorite. She's like yeah. the most, the most like fit for the task, I think. Yeah, I agree. And the fact that she comes like so close to actually, she figures everything yeah. out, you know, and then she's like the second to last one or the last one. It's so one sad, too. Like, the ending is actually really sad. It's like weirdly like emotional. I'm just yeah. like, this is so sad. Like, yeah, well, uh, but then another part of you is like, well, fantasy can't figure it out herself. She's no, gotta- <laughs> absolutely. Like, do not let that girl. No, that's like the, it's just so like, I think like you see now, like a lot of people watch media or watch film, TV, whatever, and like they want, to have a, oh my God, that's so me moment. And Mm -hmm. so in a way, like this sort of like categorization of like archetypes is very ahead of its time Mm -hmm. from Obayashi because it lends itself to a pop culture. I I mean, it's it's just a very poppy film. Like it's so implanted in like teen culture and like teen magazines and like take this quiz and figure out which girl from house you are. You know what I mean? It's like Mm -hmm. perfect for that. And well, and the fact that the movie in and of itself is so meta and so self-referential, like the fact that they, you know, break the fourth wall several times and acknowledge the audience. Like my favorite moment in the whole movie. I mean, the piano scene's pretty fantastic, but my favorite is when the, I think, I think it's prof and no, it's Kung Fu and fantasy Mm -hmm. are cleaning the dishes. Yeah. Drops the dish. And the ant gets up and like goes into the fridge. Yeah. Because that in and of itself, the way it's filmed, how it's so yep. far away, yeah. is very creepy. Where yes. you're just like, holy shit, like yeah, what yeah, the yeah. fuck is going on? And then yeah. she comes like on the other side of the ceiling and she just kind of looks to the camera and you're like, yeah. okay, well now it's funny how you flip flop so quickly between my emotions yeah. where in any other horror movie, like that would be like, oh, I'm scared. Oh, now I feel right. safe. But it's the right. same emotion where it's like, oh, I don't feel safe anymore. I actually feel no. worse. But right. it's funny. Like it's strange. Yeah. It's, it, it's a tug and uh, it's a tug of war of emotions. It's it so is a wild. tug of war of emotions. Like I think about the scene where she like is like has the eye in her mouth and she like yeah. opens her mouth to see the eye. And like that in any other movie would like freak me out. Like I can do a lot of gore. I hate stuff with eyeballs. Like it really freaks me out mm-hmm. for some reason. But like in that movie, it's like just funny. It's very like mm-hmm. I don't, it's just the, yeah. The movie creates an environment where. It's like this paradox of like you never trust, you never know where it's going, mm-hmm. but you trust that it's not going to traumatize you. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like it sets up like okay, we're all in on this, and like the jokes I'm playing on you, like I'm laughing with you, not at mm-hmm. you. Like it's very good natured. I think. Yes, I, I absolutely agree with that. You come out of the movie like kind of on top. Yes, and I, yeah. I think what's funny is right before 
I watched this. Um, one of my uh, I watched like the Criterion does like their closet videos, right, like, right. Take, and I, Ethan Hawke and his um, like creative partner uh, Jonathan Mark Sherman talked about House because he uh, and Jonathan Mark Sherman was like, Ethan, have you seen House? And he's like, No. And he goes, Okay, whoa. this movie is like taking acid without having to do acid. Like yeah. you come out on top, and he goes. The best thing about it is that by the end of it, there's a character who turns into a pile of bananas with a hat on it, and it makes logical sense for the yes. rest of the movie because you're like, oh, yeah, that's what would happen. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, like, buy into... Like, you you buy into it because it's so... Like, it it's so unapologetically, like, campy. Mm-hmm. I guess that's where it gets thrown around a lot, but I would say it's appropriate here. Like, it's from the beginning. It's so yeah. unapologetic. And, like, mm-hmm. so you're buying into everything. Like, you can tell that the director, you can tell the Obayashi is, like, so 100% in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no self, uh, self like, there's no insecurity at no. all. This movie mm-hmm. is not insecure in any way. Um, and, like, in a way, I think it's beautiful that it was so poorly received, in the beginning, I mean, it always sucks when something only gets like recognition later, but mm-hmm. like the fact that now it's so successful and part of like the criterion canon and people are writing articles about it and like mm-hmm. people are right, like using it in like theory, scholarship, whatever, like that is so like great to me because it's like, okay, like you know, eventually it got its it got its due and not in the same way that like the room got its due and that people are watching it because they're like, look how bad and unsuccessful this is. It's like, Oh, actually like this movie was very successful. It just, just wasn't what people wanted at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and now I think it's cool. And like I said, I'm sure there were people who loved it when it came out, but they were not the people like, I would love to find out what teenage girls thought of it because I think that's like a lot of times things are always well received, but they're considered poorly received because like the, few critics who watched it didn't like it and then it's like Mm -hmm. well what did people think like what did what were you like i wonder what shigumi who's her his daughter and like his friends i wonder or i wonder what Mm -hmm. they thought of it you know yeah absolutely and yeah yeah, i do agree that like in in cases like this or you know like i mean i don't want to compare this to david lynch because they're very different but like a lot of david lynch films yeah you know do kind of got a second life because of you know cult followings and you're like oh i wish I wish that people like understood like how good these movies right. are, but at the same time, you're like, it kind of makes sense as to why it was right. only made for this path, this you know, yeah. to have, to have this life of a few people saw it and then it got more of a word of mouth kind of vibe. And, you know, sometimes that really works in a movie's favor. I think in this movie, it's, mm-hmm. it's solely based on word of mouth. And oh, that, yeah. that's why like it just one thing constantly led to another, like no one was like, Oh yeah, I heard Roger Ebert talking about House, and then no, I was like, "Yeah, like, no, it's very much like my friend said." You are not going to fucking believe yes, what this exactly. movie is, and that speaks to its like resonance. I think you mm-hmm. know what I mean. Like the fact that the fact that this for so many people is a movie that they are like, "Oh, you have to see this." Mm-hmm. Like that to me speaks to the power of the film because clearly it was didn't have a super high budget. It wasn't well received when it first came out. So on its like merit alone, it has basically like created this second life yeah. for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it opens the door to this like conversation of like, should we stop? Should we stop with the category of so bad it's good? If mm-hmm. like even with like as this is going to sound like I'm like shit posting. I'm not. I mean, like <laughs> even with the room, like even with the room at a certain point, you have to be like, why are so many people uh-huh. constantly going to watch this, buying tickets for it? Like, 
is it actually like what is a good movie? And I think mm-hmm. how Sue like tr- like really like sort of like tricks audience members into asking themselves that question. Mm-hmm. Like what is what is good? Yeah. Uh, is good just like that people have a strong emotional reaction to it and enjoy it? I always say I would much rather watch a movie that I hated and thought failed miserably than watch a movie that I feel sort of it was average. Yeah. Um, you know, like mm-hmm. it's it's hard to say. No, I totally agree. Yeah, no, I would very much rather watch something that I'm interacting with but hating than mm-hmm. something that I'm just bored with and is kind of right. just like in one ear or out the other. Like I totally right. agree. And yeah, I mean, I have like had like internal conflict about like the guilty pleasure side of things and yeah. things that are so bad that they're good because like you can definitely look at because I think I don't know if you agree, but like definitely going through film school and realizing how many people think their opinions are objective and being incredibly frustrated by that. um, It made me appreciate more of the understanding that film is an emotional medium than it is like a visual medium. Like I, I, I always get bothered by that. But like what's factual about a film experience is like if you respond to something, regardless Mm -hmm. of whether the you know, the, uh, the lexicon is that it's good or that it's bad. You can't argue against it. Like I had an emotional reaction to this and that is seeped in my being of what I like or what I don't like. And that is true. And that's based on, you know, my personality and someone else may see this movie and be like, I didn't like it because I don't like these types of things. And it's like, okay, I can't tell you you're wrong because checklist criticism is plaguing our society and is driving me crazy. But this movie, like, I can understand why someone wouldn't be into it. But I also think that, you know, there is a stigma around camp. Oh, yeah. Our, you know, yes. viewing, you know, media society yeah. of how just, oh, if it's campy, it's over the top and it's hammy and it's unnecessary. And it's like, well, I mean, is it really? Sure, yeah. sometimes, yeah. But in this yeah. case, it works in its favor because of what it's referencing. And I understand that maybe the average viewer doesn't think about what it's referencing and what is going into some of the more stylistic things. Yeah. But it works for this movie because it's so over the top intentionally and that you are constantly not understanding what's going on. And the campiness keeps you engaged. Like if someone was just like melodrama, like, Oh, the head just popped out of the well. Yeah, exactly. That would not work out. That would, that would be way worse. (laughs) Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I remember like, I think it was my junior year. No, my sophomore year um, at Ithaca, I was making like a campy, vampire film and I was like you know people kept being like I was in this class and I was in a class it was literally me and all guys and it was it was Uh, literally it was a lot it was wild mm -hmm. I was like this is crazy why is it literally only dudes but I remember like trying to explain it and people were just like oh like you know it might be like too campy like I don't know how you're gonna pull off camp blah blah and then this other guy in my class like pitched an idea that was essentially how sue but like not how sue but it was like it was like superheroes. They all have one trait. They're going to superhero school. They're fighting crime. And I called it campy. And he goes, I try to stay away from camp. And I was like, <laughs> what do you mean you try to stay away oh from camp? God. And like, this is like, why, like, why do we think it, camp is bad? Like mm-hmm. how Sue, like camp is like, is it, is an aesthetic category. Um, and like, I think you, it's one of those, like, you know, it when you see it things, which is kind of what Susan Sontag says in her essay on camp, like, mm-hmm. you know, it when you see it, she has this like quote that's like camp is a tender feeling. If I were going to describe how Sue, I would literally say, yeah, it's a very, the ten, I, it's a tender mm-hmm. movie. Like I get, I, I think so fondly of it. Like it's like yeah. a, something I want to protect. Like, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. no, Susan Sontag's great. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think that like camp gets gets used so much because it becomes like a band-aid for people mm-hmm. to who think like, oh, they were trying to go for something serious, but it made me laugh. And it's like, right. I don't think that's what camp is. No. Like I think this is intentionally trying to, you know, you can easily laugh at many things that happen in house. Like there are several right. scenes where you're just like, this is ridiculous it's so funny like and it's great with timing and the fact that it's so over the top like no again we've said it before no part of anyone on this production is trying to make you think that everything that is happening in this film is incredibly serious because it isn't and sure they'll get you to you know feel legitimate emotions for the characters but that's because it's compellingly told and you know there are moments like i love the moment where um i think it's i think it's kung fu is looking at the clock and Sweet is in the clock and the blood starts dripping down and then it like crossfades to her face and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, sweet. Like that actually gets me. I I know it's hurts. Yeah. No, it does hurt. It literally like, I mean like the best way I can even like describe it, it it reminds me of something like Sailor Moon where it's Mm -hmm. like high feminine aesthetics, but, and it's like funny and it doesn't take itself too seriously, but there's still this like sense of community friendship and like it, it's still like mm-hmm. it's still sweet it's not like making fun of the girls it's like mm-hmm. their friendship is real it's like it's it's yeah. great i think it's very fun yeah it's not mean not like, at all it's and not no. mean spirited i can't stand i hate mean it. movies yeah, yeah I'm over it's it. I'm annoying over that vibe. <laughs> absolutely yeah. and yeah. i think that if you just go into this movie and be open mm-hmm. you know you can you might actually learn like and I'm not saying you have to go into this and then you should like it because it's that's right. the right opinion. I'm not saying that. But if you go into it and just with an open mind and then you'll probably understand on a deeper level what you like and what you don't like. And if oh, what yeah. you don't like is this, then you walked away from this movie actually knowing something better about yourself because oh, yeah. you are understanding deeper about what you want to get out of movies and what you yes. want to get out of medium. And I think yes. that. Again, I don't want to get on my soapbox, but that's what the show exists for. But mm-hmm. um, I I hate it when people are like, and I'm sure you probably experienced this in film school too, is like, it's a it's again, it's a checklist. It's like if it has this, 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 and this, it's a it's a good movie. And that's yeah. it. And that makes it objective and that makes it something important. Whereas, and then if something doesn't have this or doesn't have this or doesn't have this and doesn't follow the rules, then that makes it a failure or that makes it right. wrong or bad. It's like, no, right. like why? Why be so close-minded about that? It's yeah. like frustrating. It, something may not work, but they tried. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like not all films are trying to do the same thing. And I think mm-hmm. we like forget that. Like, like it's not like I think that's one of the first things that you kind of learn in analysis classes in film school, which I think I learned that like in film A&A even not every movie is trying to do the same thing. It's so you have to evaluate the film based on what it's obvious that it's trying to do. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like people who go into like a Jordan Peele movie and say, well, this doesn't make sense. It's too like oblique. I don't understand it. It's like, well, I don't think it was, I don't think this type of film is trying to lend itself to like a, a, a to Z plot progression, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not like the searchers, you know, like it's it's like Mm -hmm. you can't evaluate every film on the same like I th- try, I'm trying to think of like a world where I could evaluate like how Sue against like I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a prestige drama, like a Douglas Sirk movie. Like you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that works. It doesn't really make no. sense. Or actually, maybe mm-hmm. it kind of does. I don't know. Um, it, 
I, the point I, is it doesn't work. They're different yeah, things. Incredibly different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love Douglas Sirk. Me too. He's <laughs> also, and he is a melodrama person, oh, but totally. not in the way that Hal Su is at mm-mm, all. Mm-mm, at all. No. Um, I love yeah. All That Heaven Allows. Oh, oh yeah. That God. movie is amazing. That movie no. rocks Great. my world. <laughs> I love him and I also love Hal Su. I'm not like, you know, I'm not evaluating them on the same plane. No, 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 no. They're I'm different. not saying that. It just but, made me think like, oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're all good. It's yeah, all good. it's all okay. I love and I, from almost every genre, to be fair. No, no, totally. I'm, I'm not yeah. saying you don't. I was just thinking. Uh, I totally agree, though, that... Um, I lost my train of thought. Shit. Sorry, I like ran <laughs> oh, out of rant. No, it's okay. No, I agree. I remember now. I agree that like I think sometimes when and it and it is almost important to get through this phase of when you watch movies to um to understand the fundamentals and you go through the checklist phase at points um to realize like, oh, okay, I see why this is important because it has mm-hmm. this and this is present and like that's fine, but that's not the end. You know, I no. think I met so many people in school who were um like that was the that was it and we're so like not open to watching movies and watching new movies and being like oh this is like like i took a whole class and at some point we're going to talk about him but i took a whole class on fastbender on yeah at ithaca kathy crane taught it what Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that's crazy yeah it was awesome it was so great because i had never heard of him i didn't know who he was and yeah. I watched we watched like 12 of his movies and I was like, wow, this guy is right. something. And mm-hmm. I didn't like all of his movies, but there were there was something there. And I remember students in that class being like, I don't understand why we're watching Fassbender. His movies are objectively bad. And I was like, then why are you here? Yeah, you're, get out of the class. You're, you're paying for this. And you yeah. went to film school because you thought you could do something with it. So why yeah. don't you like actually take something in and be like understanding that this is you're here to learn you know you're here to learn about something and this guy is like a monumental director in that sense and there should be some form where you're like okay what is he doing yeah and what can i take away from it and i just met so many people like that who were just like not interested in learning about new movies i'm like why wasn't i in that class like yeah my god worst like worst choice i ever made not being in that class (laughs) i would have to be in that class it was great yeah, I mean, for me, I think a lot of it goes down to like, there's there's a there's like a it's almost like a budget question, right? Like, what mm-hmm. things do we think are bad? Like, especially in film school, something has to look crisp. It has to be shot with a red camera. It has to be like perfect. It has to be, you know, like, and it's like sometimes. And how Sue proves this? It's like sometimes I would rather watch something that's experimenting and not always succeeding in every mm-hmm. visual element than watch yeah. something that is perfectly shot and mm-hmm. looks exactly like every other thing I've ever watched. But yeah. I think film school, especially like just like Ithaca's production centered and any school that's production centered, I think it ends up being so much about budget, so much more mm-hmm. about how much money you can spend on a movie than yes. what you have, like what ideas you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I no, know. I I agree. And I mean, I'm very grateful to have gone to Ithaca. Of I course. learned a lot there. I but learned like, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree that it's very, not only is it production centric, it's like, it's cinematography. Yes. Centric. Not it's even really, writing or directing. No, it's very much, if you want to be a writer, you're going to TV. If you want to yeah, be a director, fucking figure yeah. it out yourself. You know, Literally, like that's yeah. kind of how it's about. And it's more about like, if you can work a camera, this is how a camera, and not that that's not important. It's very important. Yeah. But 
after a while, you know, I kind of think red cameras look like garbage. Like I'm done with them. I'm kind of done with them. Like I am such a like. I know that film is like cost prohibitive, although it's not really as cost prohibitive for the in in the industry as like Mm -hmm. you know renting a red camera. But Mm -hmm. I'm such a film supremacist. Like Mm -hmm. I just think it looks more living. It looks better. I took one class or two classes with Josh Benetta and like. I was like, I left there being like, no, film is a living, breathing thing. Celluloid is can never die. And mm-hmm. now I just land on that hill forever. I will never. <laughs> were, yeah, it's a good hill to die on, I think. And I'm not against digital filmmaking, but um, I agree that like, you know, there should be an importance or like an understanding of the importance of ideas. And right. Directors like Obayashi or David Lynch mm-hmm. or or Douglas Sirk. They're all about ideas. Right. And yeah, um, I think and I totally agree that I think that there are moments in Haosu because of the way the time that it came out and the uh, experiments that they're doing that don't fully look good. Right. But it works like there right. are times like in the piano scene and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when that's the blue screen, you can totally see yeah. that it's like cropped out or when. Um, Gorgeous's head is like all around the house yeah. and her eye is in the doorway. You can totally see that that's just her sitting in a chair on a chrome, like in front of a chroma key. And it fucking works. You it know what? Work. Like it, yeah. it, it doesn't work, but it does work is a weird thing, but it's, it's true. You know, it like you, you look at it and you're like, okay, that looks broken, but like, it's not, you know, <laughs> like it's just, yeah. it just fits for what they're going for because like, everything else in this movie is so melded together in this weird psych- like psychological experience that like I'm game for it, you know? Yeah. And it's like, even like when you look at like the Wikipedia page for how Sue, like it has a section that's called legacy and mm-hmm. there are many like critically acclaimed films that don't have that section. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, I would rather make something or watch something that has some really widespread impact in some way, mm-hmm. even if it's not perfect. I think it's yeah. just so, joyful it brings people together and that's what you know ultimately that's what watching film is about to me like mm-hmm. watch sitting in a dark room with a bunch of people and um having an experience for two hours yeah um, absolutely that's yeah. what it's all about and you know if you can and that love translates to so many different like it, it, it's honestly i was not expecting us to talk about douglas Sirk in this conversation no i know <laughs> it's not, it comes up though like it just it's like yeah you gotta mm. That's why you, I feel like you just got to watch widely and then you yeah. see you see everything and you mm-hmm. just, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if you ever want to do an episode on all that heaven allows, I would, the door I would is always I'll open. I'll talk about it. Yeah. Although I'm sure there's someone more qualified to talk about Douglas Sirk than me, but I certainly love Douglas The, the qualifications for this show are uh, pretty fluid. Yeah. Like no, I didn't if have you any love something, that's what we're, that's what we're here to talk okay, about. You know, <laughs> that's all that yeah, matters no to PhD me. No PhDs required. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about, um, one thing that makes me, we were talking about like how funny and campy this movie is. My biggest laugh in the entire movie is the, the head coming out of the well scene mm-hmm. because the head pops out. And again, you can totally tell that it's like a, a paper mache prop right. thing or whatever. And it bites fancy on the ass and says tasty and it zooms in. I was cracking up because that's so like, I don't know. There's something like a, like modern day mean humor embedded in that, that I like touches like that scratches an itch for me. But I was like dying laughing, pairing that with the fact that that is all in camera and how it like opens up yes, like her mouth yeah. opens up and all the water blood comes like rushing that's out crazy, yeah. i was like i'm watching something happen in front of me like mm-hmm. that's so 
lovely because like I'm so used now to seeing like if something cool happens or is meant to be cool, it's done in CGI or it's done oh, yeah. like this is all like practical what or... is practical looks great. And then mm-hmm. what isn't practical doesn't, but for good reason, you know, yeah. like I was saying with the blue screen, like it just, it works. Mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, that moment does feel extremely modern. It almost has this like, this like, I think that a lot of like, r- sort of like recent meme culture is almost like this Dadaist, like zero, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's just like a chain of things. And like, you get it. it mm-hmm. That is very like how Sue, like this film that's so extremely literal. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like it really is so literal. It's so mm-hmm. tactile. Um, and it, it, you just got to accept the, the like, you got to accept the wackiness and you can't mm-hmm. get into this like, but what does it mean? Like, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there's a background. I'm sure there's like a, there's a reason that this, his daughter was going for these sort of like grandiose like scenes. But a lot of it is because she said it was based off of like nightmares or fears she had, mm-hmm. which aren't always rational. And I think right. that's why this film like has this like sense of humor that's so interesting and so feels so fresh because it's just like, it's not trying to be, you know, too it's not it's not too symbolic in mm-hmm. any way it's like super rooted in the in the moment like you're very much sucked into it yeah mm-hmm. uh well it's funny you say that because i'd like to talk about analysis now okay uh, oh god okay. <laughs> and i i was i'll be honest i was very nervous coming into this episode because i wasn't 100 percent sure where things were going to go and i wasn't sure what i was going to bring to the table because the movie is so insane mm-hmm. um but I really pick up on the homage to very specific genre, like two horror genres and, you know, the exploitation side of things and the Scooby-Doo aspect and the monster in the house. But mm-hmm. there is something in the gorgeous character, how she takes on this, uh, you know, the appearance of her um, of her aunt in the wedding dress at the end and becomes like the possessed one in, in a strange yeah. way. And, you know, that paired with the aunt's story and her background of waiting for her husband and the whole thing about love. And it's the one thing you can only promise. And, you know, th- that type of relationship. Right. I feel like there's something there, but I'm, I'm not saying this is like the movie's a fault, but like in a fault in my intelligence, I can't, no, I don't there. think so. You know, it's 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 tough. Like, what do you it's like hard. latch on to? What do you take away from it? The biggest thing I think like I think could, you know, something that I would analyze if I were writing about this. Uh, it's like, a dom- you know, the domestic space or the domestic horror that sort of centers around like the horrors of domesticity for women. Um, it's not new. It happens all the time. I think mm-hmm. my thesis film was literally about that. And it, and it, and I think I like, loved your thesis film. Thank you. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I, I was, try- I was also trying to do a lot of things, but I, and to be too, not to my credit, to my detriment, I took a very serious approach to the mm-hmm. woman domestic space horror thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas this film sort of like liberates teenage girls from, or women from the context of like, the domestic space is this like serious heavy thing. And instead it becomes this like playground of horrors. And mm-hmm. I think like, it's like this, like this, like this, like attempt to like leave the house and like infuse the, the domestic space with this sense of like fun mm-hmm. and playfulness, but also dangers and perils. I think it's like so different than, than any other sort of film that's, that's a haunted house film, but like, mm-hmm. rooted around like a female character trying to escape like Rebecca or something, you know, like, right. mm-hmm. 
I think that would be like if I were going to go with something, I think that's sort of like what I take away. And gorgeous is like this like legacy of like this like trap, this trap of like waiting. She's waiting for her. Her aunt was waiting for her lover to return from war. And now gorgeous is sort of trapped in this like cycle, this generational cycle of Mm -hmm. whatever of of domestic servitude. I don't I don't know. That's yeah. that's gonna be my thing. No, that, that that makes sense. And I now that as you say that, like I'm I'm remembering all the stuff in the beginning, not just the fact that she gets introduced to her father's new partner, mm-hmm. but also that she clearly has this strong attachment to her mother and how she yeah. we see that she's like talking to this photo and is like yeah. laying next to her and chatting yeah. with her as if she's one of her friends. And mm-hmm. you know, there is a very strong sense of isolation and loneliness portrayed. Yes. Um attached to this character not just in that scene but in then in the following scene when the girls are talking about what they're doing over the summer like at the school there's that shot of um they're all like in the foreground and then in the background is gorgeous and the camera kind of zooms yeah. in on like a, almost like a microscope kind of way yeah and you just see her like completely detached from the rest yeah. of the group and then pairing that with the fact that probably like 45 minutes into the movie she kind of just leaves for like yeah, you know like, 15 hey, 20 minutes she's just yeah. kind of gone she's doing she's getting her makeup ready she's getting the yeah. dress all ironed she's got to get ready for her big reveal you know she's it's got crazy. stuff to do and yeah. i think that you know i i love the idea of you know the the promise of love and waiting and you know that does create this isolation and trapped feeling and mm-hmm. fear of loneliness in a way yeah. and also kind of self-sabotage I think is a big thing oh like yeah for just sure. the curse of the house in and of itself of letting people into your world only to just like swallow them whole yeah, you know, in, yeah. in the most gruesome ways like yeah it's so great to see at the end the floor start to like come apart and yeah. then the blood like rushing up, up and it feels like this like dungeon like kind of torture Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you know and we were joking about fantasy earlier but like when she you know after everything kind of dies down and she like rests her head on gorgeous's breast that Mm -hmm. again gets this kind of motherly sense she became the mother that she wanted to be Mm -hmm. but you as the viewer are also like i don't that's not gonna end well that's not gonna end well yeah the fact that it does end with the the stepmom like drives up yeah drives up the, and comes to the house and they just sit down and shake hands yeah, you're yeah. like oh shit What's like next? this is yeah. just gonna be this continual cycle and it's only yeah. gonna get worse and i i don't know if that makes any sense but like no that, it I totally think makes sense because of how visual the film is and i mean the only real like literal like expositiony part of it uh setting aside the, the aunt's backstory is mm-hmm. at the end where they're like Oh, love, you know, the promise of yeah. love and like citing it as if it's like a Robert Frost poem, you know, right, like, right. You know, it, and not to de- like not to at the detriment of the film, it works. Um, but because you kind of have to then if you're really looking for something pairing with what you said, the visual metaphors of just a house eating people. Right. There's, there's got to no, be yeah. something there, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I also think like given the fact that this is gorgeous as aunt and like technically you know gorgeous's family's house like mm-hmm. i think the haunted house metaphor is often about you know like letting people in and like and like being afraid that like what they find is is not going to be what they want to see you know that sort of like afraid of your mm-hmm. own inner world like encroaching upon your outer world mm-hmm. and especially 
in the context of this film, like when I think about someone whose inner world I wouldn't have to fight, it's definitely a teenage girl. Like if I think of who someone whose demons actually became real the way that this, I'm like, that is the, because it's like, I don't know. I mean, like, I think like there's a quote in Jennifer's body about like hell is a teenage girl, whatever. But like, it's so <laughs> like, yeah, I don't want to like fight. If I, like, I wouldn't want to fight like my 17 year old sister's inner demons in a literal mm-hmm. form. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. I think this house also has that element. There's like this like insane, like heightened teen angst of like, you know, mm. gorgeous, all of her friends just getting absolutely destroyed by her, you know, her, this family legacy house. And yeah. like, so there's mm-hmm. a lot to talk about with that too. Like, it's very, I think that that's like a very like literal interpretation of what it's like as like a young person to like let someone into your, into yeah. your world and space. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Damn, now that I think about it, actually, Jennifer's body would be a really good double feature with this movie. Oh, yeah. If you yeah. ever do a Jennifer's body episode, uh, I'm there for it. Yeah. I'm 100% there. I watched that movie for the first time this past Halloween and loved really? it. It's, it's really? It's just so good. Similar to Hasu, very uh, under-respected at its time of its mm-hmm. release, and now everyone's, yeah. like, back on it. So. Yeah, I love Diablo Cody. Um, oh, very, yeah. very, um, also very campy. In its Very own way, campy. you know, oh, yeah. like when she's eating the the chicken, the Boston yes. chicken. She's oh, like, my yeah. parents got that for us for dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it's funny. so good. It's, or when it's, she's like, "You need a manny bad." When she's like, shows her hands and they're like covered in dirt and blood. It's just like so good. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, that's a great movie. Um, yeah, and I also think that, I mean, this is kind of a part of the style to kind of backtracking a little bit, but it's something I just thought of is like another horror thing that I think um, uh, Obayashi was kind of ahead of his time on is there are parts of this movie that do almost feel like a found footage movie and that uh-huh. the way it plays with frame rate, like yeah. there are times where it's in slow motion, but the frame rate is, um, is very small. Yeah, and yeah, then there yeah. are other times where it's in slow motion and the frame rate is sped up. Like when, yeah. um, when Gorgeous goes to talk She's like, um, oh, I'll go into town and, you know, get help. And everything's in, like, very, like, frame by frame. Yeah. Slow motion. That kind of feels like this, um, like, wreck kind of um, yeah. found footage. And then when they find Gorgeous later, like, upstairs mm-hmm. in the room and it's all dark and yeah. the light is just on her face and she turns yeah. around. That freaked the shit out of that me. Was that really was, like, scary. legitimately, that's like, creepy. That's a scary moment. Yeah. yeah. That's, like, a legitimately, yeah. like, oh, fuck like moment it's yeah, so it's wild really weird and unsettling <laughs> no there you're right i think there are definitely like these themes of like playing with the idea of surveillance because like you the entire time you feel like they're being watched and i mean they are because of the, the the ant is watching them but like mm-hmm. it is yeah there's a sense of like voyeurism not from us that there's some outside voyeur and we don't identify with him the way that you might in like a slasher film we right. identify with the girls, I think, mm-hmm. more because we're like, we have no idea who's watching us. And yeah, I think there is a very much a surveillance sort of aesthetic at certain yeah. points in this movie. Again, a subversion of tropes. And that's oh, like, yeah. because of how um, you know earlier on than other characters that the Anne is fucked up, you know, mm-hmm. just from fantasy seeing the head and then yeah. seeing the eye. You're like, oh, 
shit, okay, yeah, don't yeah, trust yeah. her, you know, as opposed, as opposed to other horror movies. Uh, and I mean, they do it a little bit here, but the audience is the subversion in that way of like, mm-hmm. um, other characters don't believe the one character who's like, no, oh, I saw yeah. something, I know I what's right. Not. And then, but we're like, oh, don't worry. We know, we know fantasy. Yeah, we I know, know I love up. it. Yeah. They're like, yeah, no, you're right. That happened. I believe you. It's mm-hmm. just like a hundred percent ride or die. Like, yeah. like, all right, let's go. I got you. I believe you. Yeah, I do also love that. Uh, I, I love what you were saying about like voyeurism and surveillance. And there is a weird feeling of like, I mean, I've seen movies where you feel like you're privy to something that right. couldn't be. And not right, like in a rear window or something. Rear window. I mean, I've talked about that with like, you know, Call Me By Your Name has this yeah. kind of feel to it, um, you know, which really works. That's different because that's in a romantic sense. But like this yeah. much, rear window is much more creepy because yeah. it's so intrusive. But this is in a way where, like, the audience is, um, like, you are a character. I I hate saying, like, X is a character in a movie, but, like, the audience is being led in to the world and, like, come on in. Like, you're safe with us. And then, um, you know, the fact that there is something else and you feel like you're being watched. And I think, again, that uh, adds to the fact that this movie isn't, you know, dirty or has like a gross eye or anything like that. Yeah. Because it feels so like the film, like you are with the filmmaker. You are with Obayashi and like being in this world and everything else, like everything that happens is happening to everybody, if that makes sense. Exactly. No, yeah, it's happening. It's not like it's, um, you're not, you're not an outside voyeur. You're like, um, it's like you're in on the game and you're just, you know, you're sort of like, you're ju- you're looking over your shoulder just as much as they are, you mm-hmm. know. You don't identify with the monster, you know. You're mm-hmm. not seeing through his, you're not seeing through the ant's eyes. You're mm-hmm. you're with the girls. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask, like, do you have any idea about like the cat's role in this story? Oh, I mean, obviously yeah, we the talked about yeah, because obviously Blanche, the yeah, yeah Blanche. That's right, because obviously the main image from this movie is the is the cat's face yeah. with the, that creepy you know creepy mm-hmm. pasta like smile with it, and it it's a great image. You know, I love when it's used in the film of like zooming in really quickly to the cat, and then it like turns the smile, and the blood starts coming out, and they think they won, and it's really great. Um, and that you get that stylistic like green glint in the eye, mm-hmm. like knowing like ah, an old cat can close the door, but oh, a witch only cat, uh, only yeah. the witch cat can close it, can close mm-hmm. the door or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever it is. Um, yeah, I, and I, I'm not really sure. That was one of my big confusions of the movie yes. is that like is the the cat the like is inhabiting the spirit or the witch, and it is passing it on to. Uh, gorgeous because doesn't gorgeous say like oh i'm keep if this is my aunt's cat that i'm keeping track of or something like yeah that. something weird like yeah. yeah yeah it's not her cat it's though. not her cat now so i'm not but i'm not sure if that's what the idea is if it's supposed to be passing on or if the cat is right. in control of everything and that's what they're really beating but yeah i don't really know if that's the case because like you can really see a connection between the ant and, and the gorgeous cat. yeah because the way again that their images flow into one another and you know, right. the use of that the reflection um mm-hmm. so i'm not really sure what the cat's all position is do you have any thoughts or like, um so ideas I don't, my first thought like when i first saw it i was like well maybe the cat is like a conduit sort of for the grandmother like or, or mm. for the aunt like maybe it's sort of like this like extension of her body whatever my theory now and i i think would make sense is like the idea of a witch's familiar. Like if the aunt is a witch, the cat is her familiar. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, the familiar is sent out to like do its uh, master's bidding. 
And, you know, cats have always been associated with witches. And it's just funny. It's like a funny subversion because usually it's like a black cat. Like yeah. Sabrina's cat was, was black. Kiki's cat and Kiki's livery service is black. But mm-hmm. it's this like white cat and its name literally means white in French. Like right. it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's this like very girly little like cat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a familiar. I think that would be my interpretation. And I think like, you know, it's being passed like in by 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 putting it in the care of of um of gorgeous the cat is also like a surveiller you know what mm-hmm. i mean like yeah. the cat acts as a sort of surveillance tool for its master the this the ant that's right. my theory because at yeah. first when i watched it the first few times i was kind of like why like what is the cat and then i was like mm-hmm. you know i'm not gonna overthink this i think it's just her like which is familiar like you know mm-hmm. i think that's yeah. probably what it is I guess that makes sense. It probably is much more straightforward um, than than I may be making out to be. I also really love that the first example that you used of a black cat was Sabrina. Yeah, that's what I thought about. Like, there's Sabrina and there's Kiki, and those yeah, are the I think, two I think iconic that's it. Yeah. black cats that I think of in my when I'm thinking of a cat. But mm-hmm. no, I yeah. love Blanche. I've always wanted a white cat named Blanche. Like, mm-hmm. I just just for this movie, just like, for just the reference just to keep yeah. the bit going. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Uh, I love that. Um, so I think we've we've really gone in deep on this movie yeah. and i i think it's time we get to the final question you know mm-hmm. if you could summarize it like i said we've talked a lot about it but if you could summarize why do you love this movie and how does it add to your love of the film medium um i think like if yeah if i'm going to summarize it i think it's like I love it because it's such a like love letter to being a you know to being a teenage girl and teenage girl aesthetics and teenage girl uh, media and like the way that like I think in a lot of like films or just in popular culture and in real life like the feelings and experiences of teenage girls are so invalidated and like this film takes every single one of their concerns so seriously and so literally and it like really like lends a sort of gravity to it that I think is is really like nice to see. And it's like the fact that this like silly movie that's like was essentially co-written by a 14 year old girl is now like a renowned, like sort of like, sort of like poster child for like transgressive film culture is so, just so inspirational. Um, so that's like one of the reasons and I think like how it adds to my love of movies. I think it, it to me, it, it emphasizes the importance of like, of like, watching films in a, in a, in a group setting and in a theater mm-hmm. setting. Cause I'm yes. very much like a, you know, a theater. I, I'm so, you know, I love going to the movies. I like remember during the pandemic, I like cried often about how much I miss mm-hmm. going to the movies and yeah. that emotional sort of catharsis of being in a theater. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the, the fact that this film has become one of those like midnight movies is like really nice to me i think it's a movie that brings people together the fact that even ethan hawk hadn't seen it and his like collaborator was like hey like you should watch this like it, it's always being passed on when yeah. you see someone in the street wearing a shirt that's like the criterion collection like poster of house sue it's like okay like it's like this secret club but it's you don't want it to stay secret like you don't want to gatekeep it. You want to invite everyone into mm-hmm. it. And I think the movie ha- lends itself to that. The movie's inviting you into its world in a way that I think is really refreshing. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that would be what I would have to say, mm-hmm. I think. That's beautiful. I, I really love that. Um, I totally agree. I- I'm very much a theater person and not being able to go to the movies for, you know, over a year was hard. Mm-hmm. And I-, I would say, you know, I love this movie because... You know, I, I and again, I, can, I can only speak to the fact that I've only watched it twice, but the mm-hmm. fact that it got better 
yeah. made me very excited. Like I was right. nervous the first time because I was like, I like this, but I'm like, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to latch on to because yeah. there's so much. And then the second time I was like, oh, yeah, this is yeah. just Scooby-Doo. Yeah, I love Scooby-Doo. So yeah, like, I mean, it's obviously more than that, but like, it's, no, but it kind of is Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right. <laughs> and I totally agree that it is this experience that you're like, you want to show to other people because it's, is one of those things where it's almost like a, are you cool? Are you cool? Do you like house? Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's so real. No, it is. It's a touch. It's a litmus yeah, test. Really, because it's sure. like, okay, if, if you like, I understand both sides. Like if you don't like it, totally get it. But if you yeah. do like it, yeah you're you can hang me. yeah yeah that's so real that's like the it's like the bella hadid meme where she's like if he comes through in the jordans it's quiet like that's me about like how like i'm like i know someone's at least a little cool if they like if they fuck with how you know yeah 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 um, i i totally so, get that um yeah and i just i love all of the stylistic choices and i think that it is such a visually engaging movie and even you know some of the choices like having i don't even remember what the name of the song is but that like american pop song like yeah. in there, that's really great pairing that with them traveling on the train and watching mm-hmm. her, her aunt's story as if it's like happening in front of them in like a flashback again very yeah. meta it's incredibly accepting like it's a movie yes. that is um you know, I, I mean, I'm not necessarily one to like try and like, I don't want to outwoke myself, but it's incredibly progressive. It's incredibly yeah. inviting and accepting. And I think that you can kind of get into a weird trap with this movie if you're like, well, there's the character of Mac and all she does is eat. But like, I think, yeah, it's like, but I, I think that no. that's again part of it, you know, like, yes. I think that that is, you know, she has some agency and makes her own decisions. But like, yes, mm-hmm. is the first one to die. But I mean, it's, it's got to be somebody. Got to be someone. No, I know exactly. <laughs> if it's gonna be somebody, you know, it's probably gonna yeah, be her. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, and I, I love finding new things that you know excite me about movies. And again, mm-hmm. I, it, this is one of those things where it's just every moment of creativity and excitement. Like, there's clearly so much passion and love yes. for this movie that everyone involved, like. I mean, there's stories that people thought it was nonsense, but you can yeah. clearly see that there's no hate behind this movie. No. There's no resentment. There's no, no. anger. Like, it's very no. much like, this movie's fucking cool. Right. And it is. Yeah. It's cool. No, exactly. Like, it's-, it's a cool movie. Not everything has to be Antichrist, you know? Like, it's okay for it to be fun. It's yes. all right to have a good time. Yes. I would prefer if more things were not like We're Antichrist. We're not Antichrist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, do you have um, any final thoughts on House before we sign off? I think I'm, all I have to say is if you mm-hmm. haven't seen it, grab some friends and see it. Very fun. Yeah. It's like everyone. a survey movie almost. Like it is you a get survey a gr- movie. You get a group of people together so you can all talk about it and all oh, go yeah. through the experience together and see who liked it. Like you will unify your group by oh, doing yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And then when you, the people who didn't like it, you take them out back and give them the old yeller treatment. <laughs> like, you know, that's how that's. So it's a great film in that way as well. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Great way to end. Thank you so much, Alex. <laughs> of course. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun talking about this. It was such a great time. Thank you. That does it for this episode of Frankly, I Love Movies. Another huge thank you to Alex Coburn for coming on the show. It was really wonderful to talk to her about a really special film. Again, if you like the show, please leave a comment, a rating, a like, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Be sure to follow the show on social media. Facebook and Instagram, Frankly, I Love Movies, and Frankly underscore podcast on Twitter. Next week on November 3rd, I will have the next diary entry out for you guys all about everything I watched from October 16th through the 31st. And then the following week, that following Tuesday, Election Day, 
I'll have an episode out all about My Neighbor Totoro with Rihanna Henson and her wonderful boyfriend, Frank Olmsted. It's a really great episode. I can't wait to get that out to you guys. Until then, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Music